Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 365. Sooner or later, you'll probably have a day of shore while on a cruise where a series of events occur that make for an epic adventure. This week, one podcast listener shares how he and his friends had a very memorable and expensive day in St. Martin while on a Royal Caribbean cruise. Here we go. Going on a Royal Caribbean cruise brings you to all sorts of different places, and you know what? Some of the adventures we have on land can be just as interesting as some of the adventures we have on board our cruise ships, and today we're going to be talking with uh, our good friend Steve Burmel, who's uh, from Buffalo, New York, and Steve actually is going to continue our cruise story segment, and uh, Steve, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Matt, thanks so much for having me. I, I found the show a few months ago. I've never missed an episode. I've gone back and listened to a bunch, and it's really awesome to be joining you to share one of our cruise stories that we have from our years of cruising. I love it. So where are we going today, Steve? We're going to be heading to St. Martin, more specifically the beach at Great Bay when you get off the ship and take the water taxi over. Nice. I uh, love St. Martin. Of course, that's the island. If you're not familiar, it's the half Dutch, half French island. So uh, take it away, Steve. Yeah, so uh, we've cruised on the Mariner first, my wife and I. That was actually my first cruise about 15 years ago. And since then, we've cruised Oasis five times. So we uh, sailed her twice within her first 100 sailings. We actually had the privilege of being on her 100th sailing for our honeymoon. So there was all kinds of really cool celebrations to inaugurate the Oasis's 100th sailing out at sea. Uh, But most of the time, it's not just the two of us cruising. We tend to end up with a fairly large group of people on board with us, which is uh, one of the most awesome parts of cruising is when you just kind of put an open-ended invite out there and you get all these people to agree to come with you, some of which have never been on a cruise before. Absolutely. It's always fun to be able to go, number one, I love going on cruises, you know that, but going with someone who's never been on a cruise before does add a little different element to it. And for the most part, I tell them, look, there's going to be only one or two ways that you are not going to enjoy this. One is you're going to be seasick for the whole week, which is incredibly rare, and no one that we've ever cruised with has had that experience, but that would certainly ruin your week. Or if you don't like traveling the Caribbean for some reason, if you don't enjoy warm weather and nice water and good food, then I guess you're not going to enjoy the trip. But for the most part, we're batting almost a 1,000 and that everyone that has come with us on one of our unofficial group cruises has had an absolutely awesome time. Awesome. I, I think that's, and I think honestly, what the way you characterize it is exactly how I would describe it. People have these preconceived notions, but the reality is usually very different. So we invite some of our best friends, and uh, we had uh, two neighbors that lived across the street from us. Their names are Tim and Alyssa. I've talked to them uh, many times about this, and including telling them that we're going to be on. I was going to be on the podcast to talk about it today, but their parents ended up coming. Their parents, siblings ended up coming. My wife has girlfriends from high school and all of them come and their parents came and their aunts and uncles came. So we have friends of relatives coming on the trip with us and relatives of friends coming on the trip with us. And uh, we tend to be the organizers. We tend to get people connected to the travel agent. We tend to get people connected to flights and a hotel the night before because uh, it's not from your advice, but we always fly in the day before to give room for any travel uh, restrictions. And also, when we've had people who board the ship the day of the cruise uh, embarking, they look like they've been run over by a bus before the vacation has even started because they've taken two planes and a taxi and a bicycle and a horse-drawn carriage just to get to the ship before a, you know 3 p.m. 
versus if you fly in the day before, you get a hopefully good night's sleep and can board the ship. So what happens is we say, hey, this is the flight we're taking. This is the hotel we're staying at the night before. This is the ship we're going on. This is the date that we're going. You can come with us or not. You can choose to do everything the same way as us. Sometimes people say, we want to mirror exactly what you do. We're booking your flight. We're booking the same hotel as you. We're going to shadow you. Other people go, hey, that's great. And they find their own hotel or they find their own way to the ship or they don't come at all or they find their own travel agent or they book online. But for the most part, we tend to be the organizers to put our our finger on the calendar and say, this is the ship, this is the day, and this is how we're going to do this. Absolutely. I think, and, and I think that's a great approach and you're right. Everyone travels a little differently. Some people have different expectations, uh, different, different needs, I guess you want to call it that. So I love that approach. So we have uh, a bevy of people represented from all, uh, represented from all age groups and kind of different walks of life. And we uh, were on an Oasis seven night cruise. Uh, we made stops in Nassau, Bahamas, St. Thomas and St. Martin. Uh, St. Martin was the last day. And if I remember correctly, it was uh, board Saturday, Bahamas Sunday, St. Thomas Tuesday, St. Martin Wednesday. And we really like that itinerary with the two sea days at the end coming back, Thursday and Friday out at sea. So you go crazy. You're, you know, uh, days that you go ashore are always a little more busy. So having those two days at the end to relax uh, always is something that we really enjoyed about that itinerary. And we actually sailed that itinerary more than once with the two sea days at the end because we really liked it. But St. Martin is the crux of our story, Matt, and uh, where we kind of had a very expensive and adventurous day on the island of St. Martin. I love it. I can't wait to hear about it. So we we get off the ship and we really enjoy some of the shopping that's right near Great Bay. Uh, We take the water taxi over. You get the wristband so you can travel the water taxi to and from the pier. And we like the shopping because if you go off of Front Street just a little bit, you can find Um, just impromptu, like pop-up shops, if you will. And they're selling all kinds of novelty stuff. And despite having cruised a bunch and being to St. Martin a bunch, we tend to buy the touristy stuff, the the trinkets, the little, you know, glassware or the shot glasses or a T-shirt. Or uh, my friend Tim grabbed a license plate because he thought I was really neat to have a license plate from St. Martin. So most of our shopping is that kind of small stuff in the, in the huts and the sheds in the back. So our wives, the significant others, there was maybe 20 of us really enjoyed an hour and a half to two hours of shopping, kind of hopping around all of those spots. So now if you'll imagine, we have our beach bags, we have all of our changes of clothes in them, plus all the items that we've been shopping with or shopping and picked up over the past hour and a half to two hours. And now we're going to head to the beach for the day. So it's, it's hot, of course, and we're walking, carrying all this stuff. And if, if people know how the, the beach works at Great Bay, there's all these bars and restaurants lining the beach. And as you walk down the beach, they try to recruit you to get uh, lawn chairs, an umbrella, and a bucket of beverages. And the original price was $25. So we, we kind of negotiated a little bit and figured that we could do a little better than that. So we kept walking down the beach to find uh, a different uh, bar worker, whatever you would want to call them. And we, we got some people offering us $20. Well, my father-in-law, my friend Tim, and I seem to think that we can do better than that. And don't ask me why. And <laughs> we're haggling trying to get it for $18. And we're haggling trying to get six drinks instead of five. And then we realize kind of all at the same moment when we look at our significant others that they are over us 
trying to waste any more time. They're they're giving us the look that just says, pay the $20 and get us sitting down somewhere before we kick your butts. Because we thought we were going to be, you know, the best vacationers, the smartest hagglers there could be. And the reality was our wives were just ready to sit down. So, you know, we, we tried to do our we tried to do our best to lower the price, but we settled for $20 for two lawn chairs, an umbrella five uh, drinks in a bucket plus bar service for the day, which is a steal when you think about it. That's not a big ask at all for what you get for the $20. No. And this is hearing your story. Number one, (laughs) I have been that guy. No, honey, (laughs) we can get it for a dollar cheaper. I know it. Follow me to freedom. And the other thing is it also reminds me of my father. When I was a kid, we would just drive from gas station to gas station to save a penny on the you know on the price per gallon of course not you know when you drive 10 miles it completely negates the benefit of that but you know, right it's 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 it's, it's a guy thing it's a dad thing I, I can't i'm not gonna sit here and defend it but i have been that guy so you're in good company sir well and this will come back a little bit later throughout the day here matt that we were trying to haggle to save a few dollars so we get set up and we were set up on the 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 lounge chairs with the umbrella and we have the drinks and there's uh, 20 or 25 of us out there and we head out into the ocean and we're, you know, it's, it's a great beach to just wait out. There's enough. You can see the ship off in the distance on the horizon, which is amazing off to the left as you walk out into the water. So it's a great view, but there's the banana boats going by. There's the jet skis. There's stuff you can buy from people walking along the beach. So, you know, we wade into the water about waist deep with a, a beverage in our hand. And with that many people, uh, what would end up happening was a, a bucket of drinks is $10, which is an absolute steal. And what would happen is because there were so many of us, when it was kind of your turn, we'd buy three or four at a time. So you'd spend 30 or $40. But that what that would do is kind of take care of everyone who was having a drink at the time. And then when they, the you know bar service would come back again and we were short on drinks, someone else would do it. So it was, a, it was a great just kind of everyone taking care of each other because we were such a big group. So we were buying buckets of drinks for, for $10 at a time. Then uh, my, my neighbor, Tim, who has a bit of a need for speed in life. He's a car guy. He's a big motorhead. Uh, He realizes that we have the opportunity to rent jet skis. So uh, the cost for a one-hour rental of jet skis on St. Martin is $65. So it's one of those things. I look at my wife. She's like, we're on vacation. Not a big deal. Let's do it. So in order to rent the jet ski, you fill out this uh, very official-looking, and that's completely sarcastic, contract that you agree, basically, if anything happens to this jet ski you will either, you know, give your left foot or your firstborn in exchange for the repairs of the jet ski. Uh, they ask for your ship and your room number so they can track you down if something were to happen. And I'll admit, I was a little nervous filling it out because this is not a, a formal contract. And of course, these jet skis aren't brand new either. So a little concerning as you're signing your life away to say, yeah, I'll take care of this watercraft that I've never ridden before in my life for the next hour. <laughs> So they tell us, they give you very few regulations. They say, you have an hour. We will come get you when your hour is up. And you see that point out there. And he points out to the end of this rock crag. And if you've ever been to Great Bay, it's kind of like in the shape of a horseshoe. And off to the left, if I can paint a picture, is the cruise ship and the pier where we got off. And then there's, you know, the the long uh, walk along the beach or over to the beach, which we take the water taxi instead. And then as you look to the right, the beach kind of wraps around and then the mainland is off to the right. And then there's this long, maybe two miles. I'm, I'm a bad judge of distance, but a two mile crag of rocks that goes out. And they basically tell you, don't go past that point. So fair enough. You know, you've got an hour, 
You spend $65. You get on the back of this jet ski. My wife gets on behind me and we start cruising out. And of course, the first place we go is straight out as far as we can. So it's Tim and Alyssa on a jet ski to my right and my wife and I on a jet ski to the left. We yeah, it's it may, and of sorry. course, you always go as far out as possible to, to begin with. Of course. What, what do you have to lose? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <They> go wrong. <laughs> so I learned we're not even a, a third of the way out there and we're going perfectly straight. And the speedometer says 30. I'm guessing miles an hour. And uh, so we're not by any means flying. I have her wide open and I can tell my wife is not comfortable. She is uh, not afraid of the ocean. I wouldn't say that, but she's determined that sharks are everywhere and she's going to get bitten. So I can tell that she's not having fun. Like I'm enjoying this and it's even better when we hit awake and get a little bit of airtime and my wife is not enjoying herself and I can tell that she's really not comfortable and she, without words, once again, for, I've been married long enough to know when my wife is speaking without words, just like on the shore with the uh, haggling, she's saying, slow down. But I'm not going to because Tim and Alyssa are going and it's kind of the peer pressure thing. So we gun it all the way out and it's probably a 15 minute ride. I'm not kidding. All the way out to as far as we can go to this point uh, at the edge of the, the rock crag. And Tim and Alyssa are to our right and our jet skis come to a stop. And not three seconds later, their ski rolls over to the right and goes upside down. Mm. And there I can't see them anymore. <laughs> All oh, I see man. is their overturned jet ski, and they're both on the other side of it because their jet ski flipped. So I holler right away, are you guys okay? If I would have seen them above the water, I would have been significantly less worried. But the fact that I could not see them bobbing in the water because their jet ski was in the way, you know, you're, you're fearful. So I'm not a nervous guy. I don't panic. So I take my jet ski, and I give it a little bit of juice, and I do a little horseshoe around the front of their jet ski to the right. And I can see that they're okay. And no sooner than I see that they're okay, do I stop and our jet ski rolls over to the left. <laughs> we, we can laugh now, okay? Yeah. My wife is determined that Jaws himself is underneath us with his mouth open. So the minute that our legs are in the water, now I have no idea how deep it is out there. We cannot see the shore, Matt. There are no bodies visible on the shore oh like we are that far out there's no other jet ski traffic there is no other boat traffic and there's no like calling for help it's not an option so I, i'd be lying if i said of course i'm nervous at this point because even if we have to get help like we aren't swimming anywhere anytime soon so you you go into um risk assessment mode you go into fix it mode and immediately i start grabbing the side of my ski and pushing down on it as hard as i can because if I can get this thing to flip back over, we'll be golden. And at the same time, I see Tim and he's climbing on top of the ski. So I, I've jet skied three times in my life. I'm, I'm not an expert by any stretch. We're winging it. We don't know what we're doing. And after maybe five minutes of my wife, you know, urging me to get this thing flipped back over and Tim trying, he manages from to essentially climb all the way on top of the jet ski. And if you can visualize, he's kind of over the top of it with his stomach on the bottom and he grabs the far side of the ski and basically falls backwards. And he's able to, in doing so, flip his ski back over. So now that I've seen him succeed, I kind of have to do the same thing. And I would say we were probably out there a total of five minutes. My wife would probably tell you it was five hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we get, the, we get the skis flipped over. We get back on them. We're, we're back on and 
we've, we have not used the hour that we were allotted. My wife and Tim's wife, Alyssa, are absolutely over this. <laughs> they are ready to get their feet on the ground as soon as possible. So I say to my wife, I'm like, hey, can we uh, do you want to ride some more? And she's like, go back. <laughs> All right. The adventure is far from over. So Tim and Alyssa turn around and take off, heading straight back toward the shore. And you remember I told you it was about a 15-minute ride out. My wife and I turn around and go to follow them. Uh, our ski won't go faster than eight miles an hour. Oh. So now the concern is not only like, you know, are we okay? That's behind us. Did I just break this jet ski that I signed a contract offering my three toes on my left foot if the jet ski can't be repaired? <laughs> so Tim's comes back around and asks what's going on. I'm like, I have it wide open and we're going eight miles an hour. And my wife is getting more and more anxious. Like she just wants to be on shore. She is no longer interested in being out on the water, even at eight miles an hour. If she could teleport off the back of the ski and be on land, she'd have wiggled her nose and done so. <laughs> So now this I'm is, laughing because I'm I'm laughing because I'm not there. If I was there, it would be Matt crying on the on the <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> I laugh too now because uh, you know it was a great adventure when all was said and done. So we get back to shore, and I pull the jet ski up on land, and essentially you just run it up on the beach. And <laughs> this this I listen. I try to have integrity, honest. This was not the right thing to do. I put the ski on the beach, handed him the key, and said thanks, and I walked away. I did not mention that this jet ski was only going eight miles an hour because I did not want to be on the hook. And it was one of those things, maybe it will fix itself. Well, I did notice soon after that he pulled it ashore and he pulled the plug and was draining the water out of it. So what had happened was as it was flipped upside down, I, I don't claim to know the mechanics of this. I'm not a gearhead. It took on some water and because it was waterlogged, that's why it wasn't coming up to speed. So I did see other people immediately go back out on the same ski and they were going significantly faster than eight miles an hour. So I'd like to think if my wife was on the show, Matt, she may not have told the story the same way that I did, but <laughs> this is the start. We've probably been on the beach for an hour, an hour and a half at this point. And this is the, the start of how our, our adventure had gone. And uh, my wife probably thinks we should have lit the $65 on fire instead of paying for the jet ski. Uh, but I certainly enjoyed it. I think my wife might have a different perspective. I don't know how your wife would have felt or how you would have felt. But I thought it was kind of like a, a bit of a fun adventure that I could, I don't know, someday come on a podcast and tell the story about. I, would, I will tell you this. Number one, you've inspired me that we should start doing the podcast. Two episodes, one told by the husband and another one told by the wife. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, if my wife was telling me the story, it would start with, well, my idiot husband. And then, you know, that was the beginning of it. It would have been, it's just like, my, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> as, as, a, as a married man, I know exactly what type of reaction it would have been from the other side of the fence had we heard from that. But uh, I, I'm on your team here, Steve. We're, we're team Steve here. So uh, we're going to go with yeah. this was done with the best of intentions. What could yeah. have possibly gone wrong? And ultimately, no sharks bit our legs off and we didn't break a jet ski. So no. really, there's nothing negative to talk about here. It all was just fine and dandy. Mm -hmm. um, so... And I laugh with you because I can hear my wife saying my idiot husband to start the story as well. Um, so we, we go back ashore and we, we have a great, we're, we've had, we're having a great time. We're enjoying, we're having some drinks, we're swimming. And, and Tim gets the idea. I told you he's the motorhead to rent jet skis from one of the other vendors on the shore. So this is after he takes flipping out, them. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So now I did not go, it, probably in large part, my wife would have told me to go and get eaten by a shark myself and I would have had fun. But at this point, you know, we spent $65 and these ones were, I think, $80 or something. I don't know. But uh, Tim jumps on the back of one and goes out for an hour. We don't see him. He's long gone, ripping it up out there. And he comes back and says, you know, those jet skis were way better. They were, they were a bit newer. They were smoother. You know, I, I had a lot of fun with, you know, ripping around. And he's trying to get me to go back out again. Well, he manages to convince two other guys from our group. He goes out a third time. Matt, this starts to come back to us haggling over $2, uh, the, the price of the lounge, the, the lounge chairs, because, yeah. you know, he, he takes out two more jet skis at the cost of something somewhere between $65 and $80, $80 a piece, much less dramatic. He has a great time. He doesn't flip them that we know of. You know, he, he super, super, has a super good time taking them out again. Uh, meanwhile, we continue to buy the buckets of drinks. Um, I ordered nachos. I think they were something like $14. My wife ordered a cheeseburger. I think it was something like $18. Uh, one of our friend's uncles paid to have his hair braided, $100. Um, so it, lo- it loops back to you know the part where my wife would have called me an idiot husband. I'll call myself. This loops back to me being the idiot where I'm determined to try to save you know, $2 on the price of a lawn chair. <laughs> and then we proceed to open up our wallet and just throw money at anybody that comes by. Um, and, and this wasn't an instance of us like having too much to drink because we didn't. We were all being responsible. We all were. It's just there was 20 of us. So when you bought four buckets of beer to take care of all 20 or 25 of us on the shore, that was $40. And when you bought a cheeseburger and some nachos and some French fries, it was $50. When you rent a jet ski three times, it's it's $300. So, um, you know, the, the, we were all trying to be frugal. And this is what happens, right? You're having a good time. Everybody's enjoying themselves. You, you can kind of let loose a little bit. You know, we're, we're on vacation. And, and by no means did any of us spend thousands and thousands of dollars on some grand experience. But most of us spent the cash that we brought ashore. Uh, as we were packing up to go back to the ship at the end of the day, Tim asked his wife, what happened to the money? I brought X amount of dollars ashore with us. And she looks at him dead in the, dead in the eyes with the, we'll use the idiot husband look, you spent it all. <laughs> now, listen, Matt, none of us regret the day. None of us regret how much money we did or didn't spend. I certainly don't regret the jet ski experience. It's one of those things that we always have memories. And, and the beauty to kind of to bring this full circle is these are the kinds of stories that we're already telling people. We're looking to book in spring of 22. We're looking at Southern Caribbean on either Vision, Explorer, or Odyssey, I believe. Uh, so we're in the, the planning stages of it. And obviously with things up in the air, we're, we're looking a, a couple of months out here. But we're in the planning stages. But Matt, this is the kind of story that I tell people who we are beginning to recruit to come on to our next cruise because these types of memories, I hope you can hear the excitement in my voice. These types of stories and memories are unique to the experience that you get, even if it's on land, but over the course of, of a Royal Caribbean cruise. I couldn't agree more with you, Steve. I, it, it's, I was just thinking, you know, your story, uh, I think resembles so many other stories that others have had myself included where, you know, you go and you have a great time and, you know, if you were to write it on paper what happened, it kind of sounds like that was a good time, but it was a good time. You had a, <laughs> sometimes, 
you can sometimes you spend a lot of money. It's not that the money you're spending; it's about the experiences you have. And you'll always remember flipping the skis, and then probably a couple of years later, you probably think to yourself, "What was I thinking? What could have?" <laughs> you start thinking about what all these things could have happened, but they didn't happen. So it was a good story in the end, but it's still like it's. I'm trying to think of a way like to say is if there's if there's any new cruisers out there, it's not to say you have to spend hundreds of dollars or potentially die on a jet ski in the middle of the ocean <laughs> for you to have a good time. No. It's just that things, you know, fun stories like this happen because of the nature of travel. And it's going to happen whether you go to the Grand Canyon or on a cruise. It's just, you know, life happens sometimes. And it's funny because, of course, nothing terrible happens in the grand scheme of things. And you're able to look back fondly on them. And uh, Steve, I'm so glad you were able to share this story with us because it really sounds like you've got a great group there of, of friends who are having a good time and and I love it. And and at the end of the day, this is what I would tell when I after my wife says my idiot husband is just remember, did we have a good time, honey? Did we have good memories about it? Did you Yes, yes. Okay. Then then it was all worth it, especially saving the two dollars on the, <laughs> the chairs so that we could spend another four hundred on beer. Yes. Uh, pretty much. And and you mentioned the the experience. Uh, one of my, Alyssa's dad came up to me in the middle of the week on the ship in the solarium. And he kind of walks up to me with this strange look on his face and he sticks his hand out and I shake his hand. And, and it's like, you know, one o'clock on a sea day, we're standing in the solarium pool and he hits me with one of these really long handshakes. And he goes, I want to thank you for giving my wife and I the best vacation we've ever had in our lives. We didn't pay for it. All we did was invite him to come with us. And that's what I could say. Sounds like I'm being, you know, paid by Royal Caribbean to make this plug. I, I'm not. You know, you didn't ask me to make this plug. This is the reality of someone who in his 50s had never been on a cruise before. All we said was, hey, we're going. Do you want to come? And that was basically to anyone and everyone who would listen. And for some reason, he and his wife said, yeah, what the heck? Sure, we'll come. And day five of an eight-day cruise, he was having such a good time that he, with the most serious look on his face, couldn't, couldn't thank me enough for something I really had nothing to do with for having a great vacation. So I would say anyone who is uh, hoping to recruit friends to go or has never been or has their first, first cruise booked, uh, it's a great time, and, and Royal Caribbean knows how to do it right. Well, Steve, I really appreciate you sharing the story with, with us, and uh, it, it was a great one, and I think the way you – you capped it off there is exactly the way that I think we all hope for. But, you know, cruising is what you make of it. It's it's not copy and paste for everyone's vacation. It's all different. But at the end of the day, it ends up being usually a pretty good vacation experience. So, uh, Steve Bermel, thanks for joining us here. Matt, thanks for having me. It was great, uh, great sharing the story on this platform. And you do great work. All right, friends, time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the episode where you can email me your listener questions. It'll be read right here on the podcast by sending them to Matt, Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And it's just Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I just realized I said Matt, Matt, which would not go anywhere. So just Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week is from Alan and Michelle. Right, hi Matt. Hope this email finds you and your family safe and well. Love the podcast, and we're both avid listeners. We're from Scotland, and we thought we would share our experience of the effects of the COVID lockdown on our cruises. We were booked on a 19-night back-to-back Rome cruise around the Greek Isles. 
The first cruise was set to depart on September 8th, 2020, and the second on September 18th, 2020. As the current lockdown only runs until September 16th, Royal Caribbean has only canceled the first part of the cruise. Please understand why we have why they have done this and do not have any issue with it. Like many of our fellow cruisers, we jumped onto the internet to see how we can invest our 125% future cruise credit. We found the cruise we would like to change to and called Royal Caribbean. We spoke to a really nice guy who priced up the cruise for us, and only when we went to book it, we were told that because we had used a travel agent, we would need to go back to them to alter the booking. Our cruise was booked through the national travel agency called Virgin Holidays. It has not been easy to speak to anyone in Virgin. If your travel is out for the next 14 days, they wouldn't speak to you on the phone. They did not respond to Twitter or Facebook. We eventually emailed the manager of the store we did the booking in. She, along with her staff, had all been furloughed, but they do check their email. She gave us the email address to contact the company. Ten days after sending the email to Virgin, we still had no response. I emailed the CEO of Virgin to make a complaint. Two days later, we got a call from a rep to go through our request to change the booking. Now, here's the kicker. We thought we would get the 125% future cruise credit on the first booking, as this is the only one that had been canceled just now, and then 100% of the second cruise. It turns out that, although we've been paid in full long before the lockdown took place, they only got 125% of the 300-pound deposit, because that's all they have paid Royal Caribbean, and it is Royal Caribbean who's giving the credit. Oh my goodness. As you can imagine, we're not happy with this. It was not made clear when you made the booking that you're actually making the contract with Virgin and not Royal Caribbean. After a bit of negotiating, we eventually came to an agreement over moving the booking. Call us crazy if you want. We're now flying in March 2021, Glasgow to Miami for three nights at a Miami Beach hotel, then a seven night on Allure, jump off the Allure, and then quick trip to the coast to join another seven nights on Oasis from Fort Lauderdale and back home to Glasgow. And I know I'm mispronouncing Glasgow, by the way. Um, we have all we have gone from the, we've all gone for the Central Park balcony on both ships. We love the relaxed atmosphere. One tip we would share with all with for any ships that still have Sabor restaurant on board is to get takeaway chips and dips. It costs eight dollars for a bag of tortilla chips with guacamole and salsa. Excellent to sit in your balcony at night enjoying live music. We thought we would just highlight the difference in the UK cruise credits. Keep the great work. Alan and Michelle, my goodness. First of all, thank you for the email. Second of all, I'm really sorry you have to go through this. I got to tell you guys, and this is something I'm an American, no surprise, but the way that the UK treats you guys in general with regards to how cruise books, this is not Royal Caribbean, by the way, this is all travel, is awful. I mean, you guys really get the short end of the stick. You can't change you know, your cruise reservations after you make a deposit. And what happened here, I'm not even talking about the fact that the company didn't bother, you know, responding to your, your inquiries there. Um, I'm talking about the fact that the company, you put the, you paid the full money and because the company decided, oh no, we're only going to put the deposit down, keep your other money until, I don't know when, to actually pay the cruise line. And then now, of course, you're getting the 125% credit. I mean, that... I, I hate to call it criminal. I don't. I can't think of another word for it. I mean, and I hate to say it. Also, it's just stories like this come out of the UK all the time. And unfortunately, I have I've had too many experiences where I'll hear from a Royal Caribbean blog reader or a podcast listener, and they'll email me or they'll post on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards, and we'll go back and forth about you know the situation. I'm just thinking to myself, how could this possibly occur? And then it comes out that they're from the UK, and then it's like, oh well. That's just, I don't, that it, it's almost, you're just being penalized for living there. And these are local laws. Again, this is not Royal Caribbean. There are just different laws in, in Europe about travel and things like this would never happen in the US. All right, maybe I shouldn't say never happen, but certainly not with the kind of frequency, the way that things happen here, where these kind of scenarios that you run into, 
Um, I, I'm not painting a picture that it's all been, you know, rosy and and cheerful singing on on this side of the pond as regards to you know companies not being responsive, especially with the um, you know with regards to you know getting a refund on certain things. But what you're going through with the the fact that they you know you paid full amount, so in your mind you paid you know let's just, I'm making up numbers here, but you paid two thousand pounds for your cruise. And you, lo and behold, the company only actually paid Royal Caribbean 300 meanwhile, keeping that money until a further date. I can I don't think I've ever heard of something like that here in the U.S. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm really sorry you had to go through that, Alan and Michelle. I hope that, uh, well, number one, I'm glad to see he hasn't put you off on cruising. Number two, I hope you book some another means of which. To, by the way, you can book with um, our, this is a shameless plug, so full disclosure. But you could book with our American travel agency. They're our sponsor, MEI Travel. They can book anyone from around the world. You have to pay in U.S. dollars. Uh, but that would be one option as well. But anyway, I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through that. But I am also glad you brought the tip about the uh, takeout chips and salsa and guacamole. Great option. It never, it never hurts to ask. So absolutely a very, very good tip right there to end it on. Next up is an email from Neil. Right, hi, Matt. Thank you for the, all the great content during these tough times. It certainly has helped me get through not being at sea and missing our cruise from Venice. My question is, have you ever had a special offer from Royal Caribbean directly, specially, directed specially at Crown and Anchor members or even higher members, such as Diamond members? As a Diamond member, I have never received any offers beyond the standard loyalty marketing emails and offers. I know there are some special cruises listed sometimes on the cruise Crown and Anchor page, but I think Royal Caribbean is missing a trick not offering something exclusive to those customers already loyal to Royal. What are your thoughts and experiences? Neil, I would have agreed with you, especially before March of this year, before the whole COVID stuff, I would have told you, I don't ever recall seeing anything. Uh, the last time I remember there being something was an event called, most notable one's called Diamonds in December. It was a special event. They did this a number of years ago where um, if you booked a cruise in December, you would qualify for extra uh, crown and anchor points for being diamond. And it was uh, it was a pretty, I would say, the most lucrative deal aimed at crown and anchor society members. That has not been a thing for a number of years. I want to say it hasn't been a thing since like 2011 or 12 or something like that. But bottom line is it's it's not been the case. Now, that being said, let's fast forward to this spring and summer. And now we're starting to see that, actually. I have seen new promotions from Royal Caribbean um, where they'll offer the general public, you know, X. But on top of that, you can have X plus Y and Y being a special discount just for Crown and Anchor Society members. Now, thus far, it seems to be primarily like if as long as you're in Crown and Anchor, you qualify. So whether you're gold or, or pinnacle, it doesn't matter. Uh, but there hasn't been anything beyond that. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of I have never personally received any offers. Oh, you know, Mr. Hotchberg, you're a Diamond Plus member. Here is, you know, a special offer just for you or for other Diamond Plus members not available to, you know, uh, platinum members or gold uh, members or anything like that. Um, I, I don't recall seeing anything to that effect. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I just don't recall anything there. Now, going forward, though, um, there's the reason why that we might see even more promotions towards Crown and Anchor Society members is simply because Royal Caribbean has already seen a huge uptick of that loyalty come back to help and support the company. Um, Royal Caribbean has said on a number of different occasions that bookings, cruise bookings, primarily for 2021, are being buoyed enormously by extreme customer loyalty. During Royal Caribbean's first quarter uh, earnings call with analysts back in, uh, was it May or something like that? They were genuinely surprised slash shocked 
that so many loyal cruise members were rebooking cruises. Like it, it disrupted what would have been otherwise a terrible booking scenario, but because of these loyal members, it really helped their situation. So jumping on that, I would say that going forward, listen, when whenever Royal Caribbean resumes sailings, there's going to be a lot of hesitation from the general public to go on a cruise. So they're definitely going to be trying to make that up by, you know, getting bookings from uh, by Crown and Anchor guests because these are people that clearly like cruising and they can make up some of that difference. So Neil, I think there's absolutely going to be more coming our way, and uh, no, you haven't really missed out on anything beyond that thus far. So there you go. And last email today is going to be from our good friend, Robert Jaworski. Right, hello, Matt. Thought I would share this with you today. I was completing our online check-in for an upcoming seven-night cruise departing on October 17th on Ovation of the Seas out of Sydney, Australia. We picked this cruise as it was the first sailing for the upcoming season and my birthday during the cruise. We took full advantage of the promotional pre-cruise planter sale, which just concluded, bring on the lava flow with crack and rum. Like all in the cruise community, we're counting the days till we step on board. So having just completed my check-in and feeling on top of the world, I saw the Daily Trade email subscribe to Cruise Weekly come through in the article announcing Carnival Corporation has canceled all sailings for Carnival, P&O, and Princess until October 30th. My heart sunk as this was the big Australia cruise season. So as I write this, I hope that Royal Caribbean doesn't follow suit and proceeds as planned. On a side note, in Australia, Carnival Corporation has had very bad press due to a COVID-19 outbreak caused by the Ruby Princess, which docked an awful load of passengers in Sydney. The ship is associated with like 389 passengers with the virus into the community, which caused widespread outbreaks of the virus, affecting hundreds and over 20 deaths. Also, the government implemented a cor coronial, is that a word, inquiry into how it all happened, and we await the findings of who is to blame for the outbreak and the deaths. The media has predictably latched onto this uh, mill line that the cruise industry and when recent outbreaks occurred in a local area, like one in a tower housing complex in Melbourne, it referred to it as the Rocky Princess Cluster in the nightly news. My hope is the bad press has forced Carnival's uh, local decision and Royal Caribbean can still continue as planned. I'll be sad if this is canceled, but on the bright side, I'll have 125% future cruise credit for everything, so maybe a room upgrade on the next sailing. Robert, thanks for the email. And listen, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing there in Australia in regards to the media coverage and all that, it's pretty much the same thing over here. I mean, that being said, I don't think the media is necessarily calling other, uh, you know, outbreaks, you know, uh, citing cruise ships as an example of that or using that in the name of it. But they, they're, they're quickly to, they're quick to jump on those kinds of things. Meanwhile, you know, ignoring, um, you know, other instances here, but it's, it is what it is. I'm not going to say, you know, I could spend hours here talking about what I believe is a double standard that exists, but you know, listen, when it comes to the, you know, predicting what cruises will happen and whatnot, I simply don't know. I don't, and no one knows really, you know, I wrote an article on realcaribbeanblog.com about a week or two ago where I basically said, no one knows when cruising will resume or what cruises will actually happen. You know, there's, there's, there's not enough information and too many variables out there to have a really good idea of what to expect. So, yeah, Robert, my best advice is what I'm doing. This is just that you hope for the best, you plan for the worst, and um, you know you kind of roll with the punches as they come to you. Because ultimately, Robert, neither you nor myself or anyone really listening to this podcast, unless you're like, you know, I don't know, a president or a prime minister, um, has any control over, you know, what really happens with these cruises actually being able to go off or not. But my hope is that we will get closer to that and that, you know, they often say, you know, the darkest day, what is it? It's always darkest right before dawn, right? So, hey, maybe we're we're in that dark period and it's getting darker, but sooner or later, it's someone's going to flip that switch and bam, it's going to be better. So let's hope for that, Robert. And I hope that you'll be able to enjoy your birthday 
on board a Royal Caribbean cruise. So thank you, Robert. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. And of course, you can always email me your cruise stories, questions, comments by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.